I learned a lot of interpersonal stuff. I was on the phone with people every day and I was like, damn, half these people should be characters in movies. They are so interesting. So you can be experiencing the world and technically making your craft better without necessarily being on a set. And I think this is true at any time too. Hey y'all, welcome to the She's So Real podcast. I'm your hostess, AJ Joyce, where we dive in each week to chat with multifaceted women in the film and entertainment industry who believe in diversity and inclusion through their work and the media. I'm a digital creator and a black girl nerd with a background in fun movie reviews, film enthusiasm, and girl power advocacy, who's obsessed with creating a space for talented, badass women. Grab your drink and your popcorn because these ladies are the real deal. I have the wonderful Sam Valentine on the podcast today. That's right. The one broke actress. Whoop, whoop. If you haven't heard this podcast, you need to hop on it today. Here's the name, but Sam is an actress based in LA, but she's from the Midwest. And on the podcast, she basically dedicates her voice to telling the honest truth of what it's like being a working actor. Simple, right? So she's been in number one box office hits, and that includes Followed on NBC, YouTube Red, and a whole other various feature films. I hope you guys are ready for this conversation because we had some great times. We had a heart-to-heart about what's going on in the world today and just in general what she's up to. So give your undivided attention to Sam Valentine, the one broke actress, the one broke actress, Echo. If you're like me, you've probably been spending a lot of time at home and with your family. Because of that, getting groceries you need is more important than ever. With Instacart, it's easy to shop from your favorite retailers online and get everything you need delivered at a time that works for you. Save yourself a trip to the grocery store. Instacart makes it easy to take care of grocery shopping from home without even leaving the couch. My link will be in the show notes if you want to hit up Instacart to make it convenient, easy to get your groceries and everything else. All right, Sam, thanks for being on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being on the show. I have to say, I love the name One Broke Actress. And I want to know, we're going to delve into the podcast and everything else. How did you come up with that name? Man, so the One Broke Actress started when I, and I've told this story a couple of times now, so I hope it's not too repetitive, but I came back from having shot a movie in another country And I was getting a lot of accolades and people thought my career was taking off. But what had really happened was I had shot a movie that I didn't know if it would ever come out because you just never know. I didn't know what would happen with it. I had to quit my full-time job to go do the movie. So I had lost my health insurance. I had lost my major income. And I had basically made enough to break even for the months that I was gone while I was shooting the movie. So I came home and I couldn't explain to people why I wasn't the most jazzed ever. Like I wasn't Mm -hmm. on top of the world because no one talks about the in-between stuff. They only talk about the success. And then I had an incident where after that, I posted on my Facebook that I was looking for 
part-time work. And my, at the time manager was like, you can't post that. You have to take that down. And I was like, wait, why? And she was like, we're selling you as a leading actress. No one can know you have to have side jobs. And I was like, no, no, that's not for me. I'm not going to put up this big facade because what happens if I run into someone while I'm babysitting children and then I have to pretend like I'm just not going to play that game. And I was like, this is the opposite of what I want to do. So instead I went the far other direction and (laughs) I started writing about what it was actually like and the stuff that no one talks about. And one broke actress, I honestly think that a broke actress or the broke actress or something like that was taken when I went to get a website. Oh, don't <laughs> so you hate like, that when someone else has your name and you're like oh, digging for it? <laughs> I know. I get on these waves and maybe you do too. And I just, the second I think of something, I'm like, I have to do that right now or else the whole world is going to steal it. Like oh, yeah. I, I had to do it. And so it was taken somewhere. And I thought it was funny because I'm not actually broke. Like I still pay my rent and all that stuff, but I feel like all actors are a little broken in some way, maybe mentally, maybe mm-hmm. we're a little broken physically, maybe we're a little broken financially. And it was a play on two broke girls, which was really popular at the time. So I was like, well, this is what it's going to be. So, and it used to be the number one broke actress because O-N-E used to be taken as well. So we've advanced far beyond that. Now we're the full <laughs> one broke actress. <laughs> nice. Now, would you say where you started off, yeah, you were in the hustle and of course with things going on, would you still say it's a hustle where you are now? Yeah, I actually think it's more than before. I think, you know, there's also a great acting podcast called Audrey Helps Actors and she talks about how every next stage is like the next level in a video game. And every video game level has its own challenges. And as you go higher and higher, the challenges just get harder and harder. So although I'm at a different place in my career, it's still a constant fight for the next thing. And as the pool of people starts to get a little bit smaller, the competition level starts to rise. So to be able to continue to expand your network, to be able to get better at what you're doing, like it only gets harder. Mm -hmm. But it also is cool because it's more fun. Fun. I feel like I'm not fighting as much for breathing room as I am for the next stage of taking up my space. Got it. Did you always want to be an actress? Yeah. Did you ever have another route? <laughs> oh, she's like, yeah, that's my thing. Yeah. Did you ever have those days in elementary school where it was like career day and you dress up as what oh, you wanted? Yeah. To- Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you dress up as? I wanted to be the black Indiana Jones. And yes. I, and yeah, <laughs> literally. So I had like a whip and my mom got the hat for me and the whole spiel. I wanted to it, be the black Indiana Jones. It is not the same anymore, but I still feel somewhat <laughs> true to my heart with that. So <laughs> I love that that was a job for you. I love that that was your occupational choice. I couldn't figure out how to dress as an actress. Mm-hmm. So I remember I came to school, we got a beret and glasses and I dressed up as a director because I didn't know how to dress as an actress, which is still funny because some days I don't still know how to dress as an actress. But yeah, I went to school as that because that was what I've always wanted to do. And my parents were super helpful in getting me involved in all the community plays and things. I went to really small schools in the middle of the Midwest, like really small farm towns. Mm-hmm. But I was always so excited. And so they spent a lot of time in car rides back and forth to places and saw probably horrific play after play that I did to be a part of that part of my journey. So they really helped me. And it was just constantly what I wanted to do. And when I got to college, I auditioned for some schools 
because my parents were like, you have to go to college. And then after that, then you can go about your way. And I was like, but what if? And they were like, (laughs) no, no, no. And so we had a very solid deal. So I'm extremely privileged. My parents paid for my college and I'm super open about that because I think it's important to point out that I don't think I could be where I am in my career if I didn't have that financial freedom Mm -hmm. of not having school debt. So I'm consistently, consistently grateful for them. And the older I get, the more aware I am how privileged that was. But that being said, that was our deal. They paid for college and then I could go about my life. And that was on me after that. So I wanted to go to college for theater and I auditioned at University of Illinois, which is the only school I wanted to go to except for (laughs) NYU. But I remember I did the math calculations and at the time it was like almost $100,000 for me to get my NYU education. Yeah. Right. I love that I was sitting in the middle of Illinois. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to NYU. Definitely not with my two plays in my back pocket. (laughs) Oh yeah. She thinks really big. And so then I applied to U of I and I went and auditioned. And I remember sitting there and there was a boy sitting next to me and his name was Benjamin Rosenthal. And it was like a whole day audition process. And we had to do monologues and scenes. And I saw his resume And I kid you not, AJ, it was stacked. And I was like, wait, are we the same age? How do you have so many credits? (laughs) But he was from Chicago, so he had fully immersed himself. And I will never forget leaving that and being so overwhelmed. And of course, I did not get accepted. I'm sure it was terrible. I don't even think I read the plays that I did the monologues from. And it really turned me inside out. And that was my first big dose of rejection. And I was like, I'm nowhere near ready for this. I'm going to go to school to teach acting. So I started at Missouri State University as a educational fine arts major, and I was going to be a teacher because that felt right. I could go to high schools and teach and have fun with kids, and I like kids, and mm-hmm. that sounds great. But then the more I did it, after the first year, I took all the theater classes and hadn't taken any of the education classes. I, like, oh. <laughs> I got to teach the kids, remember? <laughs> yeah, I have to do this whole portfolio presentation about a lesson plan and I just realized that I'm just too scared to audition for the theater and get rejected again. So I manned the fuck up and I did the whole thing and I auditioned and I got into the theater program at Missouri State. And then from there, I graduated with my BFA, just took an extra year. I moved to LA 48 hours later. So there was a stint in my life where I thought that I was unqualified, but in retrospect, it's very easy for me to say that I was just really scared. But you have moved out of that completely, you know, not only with your podcast, but what you're doing. I mean, I was on your IG the other day, not to be a stalker or anything, but I love you know. a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you were talking about how to do acting on Zoom. And I was all like, look at this girl, you know, and this is a true reality of an actor right now trying to get work in terms of the COVID that we're in. But that is some real hustle right there. You know, Thanks. so kudos to you, man. Kudos. Thanks. It's so funny because that to me feels like it's not about me. It feels mm-hmm. like it's about helping other people. And as soon as I put it on, oh, this could be helpful for someone else, I no longer feel scared because it's not about me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny how shifting that direction where it does benefit me in some ways that people like follow on Instagram and stuff like that. But when I mentally think, oh, this is actually helpful to someone else. So even if it's helpful to one or two people, then it matters. Then I shouldn't be afraid to post myself online because it does get to you, right? True. Like when you started a podcast, there's a lot of imposter syndrome that comes up. Like Mm -hmm. who gives me the right to be an authority on anything? 
And that still comes up for me all the time, but I'm just in a place now where more people are constantly supporting me, where it feels I don't have to question it as much. And Mm -hmm. I used to think that, oh, casting directors and agents, they're never going to look at this. And now they start to, and they're starting to. And Oh, wow. I have to really file it away. (laughs) But also if they don't accept this side of me, that's just me being me. That's the cool thing is the platform was built on me being absolutely honest. I feel like I don't have to pretend to be something else. So if this isn't acceptable to someone, then they probably shouldn't work with me. It only took 10 years to get this confidence. Hey, I'm still building on mine. So I will definitely learn from you. That's your teaching moment for today. Okay, deal. (laughs) What challenges have you faced as your come up as an actress so far and maybe even still facing? Man, getting seen is really hard. Getting seen by people and actually getting roles is unbelievably hard. I think there is a idea still floating around that as soon as you get auditions or as soon as you get an agent or rep, that you will start to become successful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just so much more nuanced than that. And you can have a ton of people working for you and still not get seen. It's just- I've heard that a lot. Sorry to cut you off, but I've heard that tons from some of my guests because they're like, well, once I got the agent or this extra person to help me out, I thought I was on the right track. And then it turned out that it was actually me who needed to put myself out there and to do the things versus them reaching out for the opportunities, which is crazy because isn't that the whole point of having an agent? Or someone in that role. (laughs) Totally, totally. And that's what you're primed to think. But I realized, and I've had some great podcast guests. I've had multiple. And one of them is an actress named Ashley Platts. And she said it. She said, my agent makes 10% of what I make. And it's the same thing. I should do 90% of the work and they should do the 10. So if you're primed and if you're actually doing your 90, eventually you will get that extra boost that gets you to the right place. But just because you're in one right place doesn't mean you're going to get to another either. Like jobs don't just come rolling downhill in a beautiful fashion. I wish they did. I've had upswings where I booked thing after thing. I booked two or three commercials and then a print job. And I was like, this is it. This is the end of my concerns. This is the forever. (laughs) But I've kind of learned that if I want to play this game, if I want to be this job, I have to be willing to deal with these same problems when I'm 55, when I'm 65, as I'm doing now hopefully just maybe in a house with a backyard. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, getting seen is so hard. And I don't think enough people talk about that. Like getting someone to look at you and see you actually do good work. Because there's been so many times where I've finally gotten into a casting director's office or sent in a self-tape. And I have gotten the feedback, where have you been? And I'm like, I'm right freaking here. You just won't call me in because you haven't seen me. I don't have enough credits. So you just really have to advocate and have all the other places in your life primed. Like you have to be able to act at any, not in like a, hey, do a scene right now kind of a way, but you have to have that muscle flexed. You have to be in class. You have to have a good reel. You have to have everything else ready. So when you finally do get seen, it matters and it wraps up the package in a way. What would you say would be the needed edge for actors nowadays to put them above and beyond 
their competition because there's so much out there. There's so much talent out there nowadays. And of course, with social media, especially with TikTok on the rise, or I guess not on the rise anymore, right. now it's reels, <laughs> but seeing that kind of stuff and people simply being discovered by organic talent on social media, it's crazy nowadays. So what would you say puts you on the edge of like, hmm, that person is a little better than everyone else. God, I don't even know if it's raw talent anymore because you can have a moment in the sun and be untalented or you can be extremely talented and not necessarily get seen. Like I was saying, I'm in an acting class at John Mm -hmm. Rosenfeld Studios and the people in my class could all be on TV tomorrow. Half of them should have won an Emmy by now. These people are so talented. They Mm -hmm. just don't happen to be famous. And I think that we think that only famous people are super incredibly talented. Right, right. Just those people who've gotten the opportunities. Two things. One kind of a joke, but also real. If you're related to someone famous, it's a lot easier. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, I think we got to confirm that, right? Like, Mm -hmm, it is. mm -hmm. You have a leg up. You have a built-in network. But if that is not the case, which is the rest of us, like the other 99%, and not saying that there doesn't come challenges with people who are related to someone already steeped in the business, because I know that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. But I also think that playing the long game, being in it and not looking for a flash in the pan, like really assessing your priorities of what you really want is the true thing that will get you above the competition because at some point people start to leave. And I think it's a famous Harrison Ford quote where someone asked him, how'd you get so successful? And he's like, I don't know, at some point all my friends just stopped doing this and I was one of the only ones left. And it's just such a long game to have a career and not just to have some success. And I think if you want to play this for a long time, you find your thing that makes you happy on the side. I'm lucky that it's a podcast and a website that revolves around acting. But whether it's a job you love, if you're a dog trainer, if you're really good at cooking, if you find something that satiates you for the in-between, because the in-between is the 90% of the time. And the rest, the successes are going to be the 10. So if you can sustain that 90, you're going to have a lot more eventually. Definitely. Now, you know, you have this great acting career and you've basically pivoted within your podcast, you know, One Broke Actress. And I've noticed that you have a grand array of different guests on there, including yourself when you do your solo interviews. And I think it's awesome. One thing I noticed that you did not too long ago, if I remember correctly, I think you had an episode where you were talking about diversity and things of those sort. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to highlight that, especially now with Black Lives Matter, and now it's especially in Hollywood, Amplify POC stories and LGBT yes. stories and things like that. How on your podcast are you going to keep advocating for that down the long road? Because some people see it as, well, maybe this person may put on an episode now or may talk about it now. However, they may stop and never talk about it again, you know? Yes. I love that question because I think we should push more people to broaden their idea of what advocating an allyship is, right? Because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. listen, I have a lot to learn. I have to acknowledge the fact that I am a white cisgender heterosexual woman who grew up middle-class in the Midwest. Like I cannot be in another story 
but I can learn other stories Mm -hmm. and I can appreciate other stories and I can value other stories. And the past couple of months have been really eye-opening for me with the Black Lives Matter movement, with everything that's happening, because of course, I've always been an advocate for these things, but have I really been an activist? And have Mm -hmm. I really made myself learn outside of my bubble? And I have been super guilty of things in the acting realm. In my acting realm specifically, I have been guilty of, and I know a lot of other white actors have as well, of blaming a lack of auditions or lack of jobs in the rise in quote unquote diversity casting in the Mm -hmm. last five or six years. Mm -hmm. Now, in the past couple of months, I have gotten an education from my listeners, from my podcast guests, from books I've read, from movies I've seen about how, number one, that's a bullshit excuse. And it's a huge cop out. And number two, saying diversity and casting, using that as an overarching term is saying that white is choice A and anybody else's choice B. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And putting it in that kind of monolith terms is extremely, extremely debilitating to any voice that's not my own. And I've had people come to me in my podcast and say, I had to ignore the moments where you said this because I was disappointed in you. And it sucks. I hate that I didn't know better. And I hate that also people didn't feel comfortable to tell me that. Yeah. So what I am learning and helping other people hopefully learn with me is that the voices and the stories we want to amplify are more than just our own. And this also comes from agents and managers. This comes from casting directors. We all have to change the vocabulary we use because it affects the grander scheme of the world. So everyone, agents and managers have said to me, you probably won't find a new theatrical agent right now, for example, because they're just trying to go diverse. Mm -hmm. It just limits the idea that one, it's an excuse, right? I'm probably not as good as most of the people they're taking. That's probably why. And also why wouldn't we want to amplify these stories that have been put on the back burner for hundreds of years? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't I be a huge advocate of that? Because there's always jobs for everyone. There's always a place for everyone. And just because it's maybe not my moment in the sun doesn't mean that I should detract from anyone else's success or make it about me, which feels really gross, right? Yeah. So I'm keeping this about me, so I don't want to put this on other people. But my biggest thing right now is changing the way we talk about casting that is not white because it's been everything we've seen, right? Like you turn on Mm -hmm, your TV and mm -hmm. and like I said, I grew up in the Midwest and everything I saw as a kid was mostly white characters or, you know, Xenon where her supporting best friend was black. That was what we were shown. And it forms pathways in your brain that make you think that that is choice A, like I said, which is first of all wrong, especially if you get to a city like LA. Oh Uh, yeah. (laughs) I did an interview with Matthew Law and he shared a quote and I always am worried about pronouncing her name wrong, but Ava DuVernay. Oh Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And she said that I don't want to work on a set that's all white people because I look out the window and I don't see all white people. So why would I want that? Totally agree. He's like, I don't want to represent diversity. I want to represent real life. And so I think that is something that I am pushing myself and others, especially the white actors who listen, to reconsider how we view stories that aren't our own, not just in movies and television, but stories we've told ourselves about maybe why we weren't getting auditions or things like that, because there's still so much work to be done. And for us to retract from that and make it about our own roles, like we just really have to sit with ourselves and think about why we might have thought Mm. that and really do some unlearning of privileges and rights and 
things that we have taken away from others and using certain words and seeing the world in a way that we need to open up more. Yeah, I have to say I'm proud of you because (sighs) it's hard to look at yourself and to think, oh shit, I need to really take a deep look at the things I've been doing, the things I've been saying, my actions, and really think, have I been advocating for these things appropriately? Have I really been standing up for those people I say I've been standing up for? And in no way, shape, or form, I am not down for cancel culture. I am not down for it either way because there is no way in hell. How can you expect someone to be on the same side as you when it comes to these things, but you are so busy getting in their grill. I understand the whole aspect of, hey, maybe you should really rethink that or read this and look at this resource, like constructive feedback, you know, constructive criticism. But there needs to be a point if we're saying we need to work together, you can't jump on someone's ass you get my drift. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> and expect them to ride the white horse with you to social justice. So yeah. it's crazy in the world we live in right now. And I'm sure in Hollywood, I'm starting to see all these different things starting to roll out too, in terms of amplified black stories and amplified POC. And now POC, for me, it's always been underneath not only us for Black people, but you have Asians and Middle Eastern folks, Indian folks, and it just keeps going and going and going. And I'm glad you recognize, too, on your part that these stories need to be shared. There's a point where it's like, we've had enough and we need to start seeing what the real world looks like. So kudos to you again. And I know the work is never done And there's going to be work on both sides. It's not just one side. And I think people need to recognize that. Yeah. And there's a lot of work from the ground up that needs to happen. Because I mean, the scripts that are going to get written are the scripts that are from the writers who came up through the system. And the system does not advocate for different voices. There's a whole movement for this called Pay Up Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get that wrong. I think you're close, but I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's all about how Warner Brothers and all these companies, these big companies, agencies too, they take their interns first. And that's the level from which you rise up in the ranks in the studios. And who can work as an unpaid intern? Probably someone like me, who I just said, who didn't have college debt, Mm -hmm. could have someone help pay them. And unfortunately, with the way that we've structured our world, which just don't get me started on what I've learned about redlining and our school to prison pipeline. But the way we've structured our world, a lot of voices of color are not able to work unpaid jobs Mm -hmm. because they are not given the world handed to them in which for a structure to do so. And therefore, they can't come up through the ranks of this system. Mm -hmm. So then they're not the ones who become the showrunners or the writers, or they have to work twice as hard to get half as far. So it really starts from the bottom of bigger companies working to find those voices to put them through their system. And maybe, I don't know, pay your interns. Mm -hmm. Man, when (laughs) interns start getting paid, man, call me up. I'll be an intern. Right? Right? (laughs) Let me ask you a question. What would you like to see from Hollywood As a Black woman, what would you like to see? I think what I'm seeing now is a good example, but it's still very slow. I've seen so far, which is what I call the corporate call-out. That's all my own personal terms, but Mm -hmm. more of them, especially like music labels are really coming out about this. 
but seeing them saying we do not stand for racism and stuff like that and saying things. And then you also have the follow-up of we're making these large donations to these organizations that support these different social changes. That's great. What I also would like to see, especially in the film area, is how is that being structured on a grassroots level? You know, how are you working from the bottom up? Of course, you're going to have everyone else, the big top stars and everything. They can say what they're going to do. You know, they have the money to do that. They have the resources to do that. But the people that are truly hurting are the grassroots people, the indie people. What are you going to do about that? They are the people hurting right now. And I haven't seen that much action. And again, we still are going against COVID and I'm not saying that it should be immediate because these things take time and there's so many different components that are integral Mm -hmm. to the process. But as a black woman who loves all types of movies, I mean all types of stuff, but also too was not fully aware of, wow, these black stories are not as amplified or awarded or seen or recognized in such a way as you would to be plain and simple white stories, you know, or we have white savior stories or anything based in that kind of story aspect. So Mm -hmm. just seeing that I want to transition. Also, I want to transition in the executive level because it's ridiculous and it's not even for a black story deal. More women need to be in there. It's ridiculous in there. Yes. More women and just more change. I think once we get more of that change in the executive level and the people who actually open the doors, the doorkeepers, I think we will start seeing some changes. I know the Academy, they just had a whole bunch of new folks. Good, because they were mostly old white guys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) There was a whole bunch of new folks that were added into there. And then I'm not upset about the Emmy nominations, but I think they were pretty decent this year due to the Mm -hmm. pandemic that we're facing. And I feel like folks who are at that level and represent that, the standard of the industry those things need to change. And I'm slowly seeing them, slowly. I think I remember at, what was it, the BAFTAs last year, and Joaquin Phoenix came up and said that speech about diversity and how he hasn't been doing a good enough job to seeing that across the board. And I was like, damn, like, (laughs) he said it. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) You know? And when I saw I just couldn't help myself. My heart was rejoiced. Seeing more of that, On executive level and grassroots level and all that, I think that would be more helpful because so many people are hurting. You have the ordinary American citizen, yes, but people in the music, the film, everything is hurting. Like I used to do backstage catering for artists and I no longer did it. However, the folks that used to do it, they got laid off. Of course, because that's the concert industry. And also just kind of following up on that too. It's the same thing, same issues happening. A little bit different, but it's very same. So that's my current stance on that. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. Thank you for sharing that with me. Because I mean, listen, I'm pretty small potatoes, but I just want (laughs) to learn what I can do for other people. But I think also everything we're talking about, we need to check in in six months, in nine months, in 12 Mm -hmm. months, like when it's Mm -hmm. not cool anymore, right? Because I want to see these celebrities put writers in their contracts 
that they have to have this number of speaking roles and let's have some actual Native Americans in our damn Mm -hmm. movie because Mm -hmm. there was just a huge casting call. The Casting Society of America did an amazing setup with all Native American actors to try and get them all to be seen Mm -hmm. because it's Mm -hmm. just such a limited voice. And like, we have the means to do these things. I want to see the celebrities advocate for small actors because I think a lot of them have forgotten where they came from and what they came up from. And when Tina Fey is in five commercials and no one talks but her, could that other person have had one line and made $10,000 more and maybe have qualified for their health insurance? Definitely. Definitely. I know that on the way up, you don't get to ask for things, but when you're at a certain level, you get to ask for things. Mm -hmm. And I think advocating Mm -hmm. for smaller actors on set I can't wait to be so damn successful, AJ. And I am going to make sure that if I am working with a fellow black actress, mm-hmm. I am going to make sure that her hair stylist is black. Yeah. I want her to have the proper thing to be taken care of. Now, this is like a long time coming. I have a mm-hmm. long way to like ask for things on the set. <laughs> you never but, know. You never know. But, right, right. Check in with me in six months. But I want to be so successful that I can advocate for other people to have the things that I think that they deserve. And I want them to be so successful that they can get exactly what they deserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just so basic at the end of the day. It is. The simplicity of these things is crazy. And it's like, why can't we just come together? It literally is just like that Paul McCartney song. Like, come together. (laughs) Wonderful talk. We'll transition to something a little bit more positive. I mean, allyship, it's still a rough topic from time to time. Well, thank you for bringing that up. I have a lot to learn. So if you ever hear me talk about something and you want to correct me or add to it, please always feel free. And anyone listening to this, same. You can come at me as you wish. And the great part is you're open to it. You're not like starting to do the whole thing of, as they say, why fragility (laughs) and coming on. It's good that you're open. And like I said, I'm proud of you. So keep doing your do, girl. Keep doing it. You know, thank you for talking to me about that. Want to look fashionable with a statement? Daisy LA is where it's at. Art apparel with a mission to empower women through conversation and community. This is where female entrepreneurship and eclectic fashion go hand in hand. Try Daisy LA. Shop there today and you get a 10% discount coupon using AJ So Real in all caps at the register. Again, AJ So Real at all caps at the register. Go get Daisy LA, y'all. So what I'm curious about is what is your favorite part about doing your podcast? Because you are really in your niche. You are in your groove when you do it. Thanks. Well, I had to let go of any idea of what it should have been. (laughs) (laughs) You 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 think like, oh, I'm going to get this and this and this from this person. And then the conversation goes totally south and you have to be like, okay, well, this is where we are and here's how I want to get back. Mm -hmm. So when I'm having an actual interview, It's funny because the setup process, I hate. I hate asking people. Your streamline system, by the way, is beautiful. You have it set up so very well. Thank you. I might steal some of that from you. (laughs) I don't like asking of people and I'm getting better about it because I still look at it as them doing me a favor, but I'm trying to rechange my brain to where I'm giving them a place to let themselves out. Like I was so excited to come on your podcast. So I have to 
think of that in the reverse terms. So the setup, the process, and the, I used to, I went to a workplace called Second Home where I had a recording place to be and live people. We recorded every episode in person until this season. So it's crazy. But now I have to be at my computer ready to go at this time. Mm -hmm. I want my technology to work. So I get a little in my head and I'm sure you do too about the few moments before. And I'm like, do I have water? Are my dogs going to bark? Because I want to be professional and I want to have all this done. And then if something goes wrong, I'm like, and I tend to spiral out. But then once we're talking after like the first 12 minutes, Mm -hmm, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, this is gravy. And I'm like, this is great. And then I never wanted to end. And oftentimes I'll stop recording with someone and we'll end up, I almost wish I had like an after show because sometimes <laughs> we end up having an hour long conversation afterwards that is almost as, if not better than the podcast sometimes. My gosh, I have, <laughs> there's been so many moments, but some of the people I've interviewed, they're like, so we're not recording anymore, right? And I'm like, oh darn, here we go. Yes, <laughs> yes because then it's so funny because you can tell it's different when mm-hmm. you turn off the recording. Mm-hmm. And I completely get it because they have important people listening. Right, right now, I get to be in a cool place in my career where like, I'm going to be honest with you, not that many important people listen to my podcast. <laughs> so it's very freeing in a way because I can kind of say whatever the fuck I want. Right. And I can push right. things and I can be a little uncomfortable and I'm okay with it. But I get that people have a presentational self sometimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also it does take a bit to warm up to someone a lot of times, like especially over Zoom, we get going and then we get warm and then we're about to hit and then sometimes the podcast ends. And that's when I'm like, okay, you have to come back because I want to do this again. Right, right. So the talking part I love, and especially when I get on a tangent with someone who's like really fun to talk to and they have pieces and quips and this and that, and you can tell they're excited to be there. And then Editing, I honestly don't do very much of. I kind of gave up on editing editing. very much. I hate it. I I do a lot anymore. (laughs) I've considered that as well. I just don't care that much about the editing. And maybe because I'm an actor and not a sound person, I'm sure Mm -hmm. technical people listen to my podcast and they actually want to die. Somebody once was like, your podcast has never been mastered, missed. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And it's fine. Because I just don't care that much because I think the content is good. So I'm like, this is fine. Sometimes my P's pop on the microphone. Sometimes whatever. I don't care that much. But that process, I would edit every um and uh and this and that. And now if there's anything that happened like disturbing, like if there was a car thing outside or if my dogs barked, I'll delete that part. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then I just mix in my sound. I do an intro. I record right before I post it. And that's kind of it for that. It probably takes like 45 minutes total to get it all mixed up. And then, yeah, I really don't do that much. And then (laughs) I love putting it up because I love getting feedback. And I'm sure that you feel the same way. Like it feels like a lot of work to get to that point sometimes. It does. It's like, just tell me what you want, please, please, Mm -hmm. please. (laughs) And people will too, which is fun. Once you start to get a base built, it's like, oh wait, people are listening consistently. Mm -hmm. And you know, my first listener for a long time was just my mom. So that's cool. (laughs) I know, right? It's like, yeah, but can we get more than mom, please? Yeah, yeah. no, I feel you on that. I feel yep. you. Yep. And then once I got past just having my mom, I was like, oh, okay, cool. There's like actual actors listening and the validation and people finding it now that there's six seasons of episodes out. I think it's with bonus episodes. I think it's like 78 episodes. That is super fun when people find the podcast and are like, I'm binging it. I love what you're doing. When's the next season? What can we expect? And that part's really fun because then I get to have a conversation with people who might not necessarily have enough to add to have a full podcast with, mm-hmm. but they still have something to share or they want to chat with me because I love talking to actors. I think they're just such fun, interesting people. Like what kind of crazy picks this as a job? Like we are wild humans. 
to say for someone who said that they were aiming for a degree in education and fine arts, in a way, if you really think about it, you are teaching people about acting and how to act and, and everything else through your podcast. So you're just doing it in your own way, you know? It's true. Now, doing solo episodes was hard because I was like, I don't want to tell people how to do anything. I just want to learn from others with them vicariously. But it's so funny you say that because have you taken the Enneagram test? Oh, yes. Yes. I'm like, what are a, you? A three, a seven, and a eight, like all mixed. Oh. I think my number one is a three, though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm also a three. Oh, nice. Uh, I'm a three wing two, which the three is the achiever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. We would have a podcast. You can check it off a list. <laughs> and the two is the helper. So my ah. inclination to helping other people just actually, I think, feeds my achiever mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, I got to do this. People are waiting for this podcast episode. I got to put it up. Like it no longer is about me once again. <laughs> I think the number seven or eight, I can't remember. One is perfectionist. I know for sure because I'm a big perfectionist. I can't remember Ooh. what the other one is. but I think eight is the commander. Oh, man. I guess I'm an authoritarian now. <laughs> right. You're a lovely authoritarian. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) What I'm curious about is what has been your favorite episode to record so far? Mm, God, that's such a hard question. And I know you've had some very wonderful guests on your show, though. I mean, I had a super fun time with my friends, Kevin and Matt, because they're commercial actors. They're both in their 40s and they have kids and they've been in this business for a while. And we cracked open beers and we recorded and I laughed so hard. We had so much fun early on in the podcast. That was a fun in-person chat between the two of us because also I love to have a beer. (laughs) But I'm trying to think so many awesome guests. I just recorded a bonus episode with the head of theatrical at DDO Art Agency. Okay. And he was lovely because he was like, let's not ask any of the typical questions. Let's answer the things that I've never answered before. And I was like, great, take it away. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) It's such a hard question. I'm about to start. I am just now starting to talk about this. So this... You can have a little exclusive here. Ooh, um, but I'm exclusive, just, exclusive. <laughs> I'm just starting to do the start of some mini episodes, meaning okay. I'm going to go back and I'm going to mine some of the early episodes for exact sound bites, tips, stories, and I'm going to pull a few minutes of them and play them. And then I'm going to do kind of a solo chat about that. So they'll Ooh. be like five to 10 minute mini episodes. Oh, I like love very digestible. Like that. I love yeah. it. Those very digestible. So yeah. I'll be like, mm, I haven't figured out the schedule yet of how I want to do it. But this involves me going back and listening to all my early podcast episodes. So we'll see how much I can get done from that. I might actually find someone to do it for me and exact show notes. So they can say like at minute 13, mm-hmm. this is when you talk about this and that's kind of the specifics I need. But I think that's what's coming next is mining early episodes because now that I've been doing it for a while, I'm also at a slightly different place in my career. I can add more on top of it because early on I was really afraid to add my own opinions and thoughts and stories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I wanted to keep it centered on the guest and I didn't feel as qualified as I do now to share my own bits. So we're going to go back and pull from old episodes and play with that. Oh, that's got to be exciting. Yeah. Oh, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how far we've come. Ooh. <laughs> Your podcast is pretty awesome. And I remember when I first started mine, 
And I saw yours. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, and one thing I was looking for is like, is there other women talking about stuff in film and have their own podcast and everything else? And I was so happy when I stumbled on yours. I was like, yes, check mark. Yes. They need <laughs> so, more of us. <laughs> yes, they do. I'm curious, where do you see your podcast going in five years or even longer than that? Man, that is such a fun question. I came up with some goals recently of where I want it to be. I would love to be a part of, there is a podcast network called Dear Media. Mm-hmm. And it's run by Michael Bostic with Lauren Everett. She came to fame as the Skinny Confidential, the podcaster or the blogger. And I have listened to every episode of their podcast. They have so many amazing podcasts under their belt now. And they're based out of LA and they specifically promote female voices. And so all of their podcast hosts, at least one of them, if not the whole podcast is female. And I love what they're doing. I love their vibes. I love the work they're pushing out. I think they just got acquired or something. They had a big sale. They've made some major business moves. Yeah. And I love what they're doing. And so my goal would be to be a part of a podcast network like Dear Media, Mm -hmm. who is specifically attuned to this type of voice. I want to stay niche. I want to stay for actors. But I love opening up the blog to a little more of lifestyle-y, which is just fun and enjoyable for me, but I just love to see it grow and to reach more actors. I was going to do a meetup, womp, womp, COVID. (laughs) I was going to have a meetup and get to have a big mixer with actors. And I was just going to be excited if five people showed up and then COVID happened. So we didn't get to do that, but having in-person meetups would be lovely. And there's a lifelong goal. And if you listen to, there's Monica Barquette was an early podcast episode. I think she's season one and Mm -hmm. she is an agent and she talks about having an actor commune. (laughs) And I love this idea so much. You know, I can't take it originally because it was originally hers, but I want to bring it to fruition. It might be 10, 20 years down the line, but the idea of having a place centrally located in LA where actors can pay a small monthly fee and the place has everything. So it has a stealth tape studio. It has vanity makeup rooms. It has a big place where you can just throw in wardrobe pieces. so You can go pick some up. It has a computer lab where you can print things and then actors can hang out there and have free coffee between when you have an audition on one side of town, you have to go to the other, but you have five hours in between, but you don't want to go home. You can go there and have coffee and then there'll be other actors hanging out there. So you can grab someone and go run lines or you can print off your script for free or you can self-tape or a lot of actors will be hanging out there and one will probably be really good at makeup. One will help you pick out your clothes. Like we're all so good at different things or pieces of our career. So to have a place where we could all come together and help each other, I think would just be really beautiful. And there's forums online like We Audition and stuff that are great for actors to commune and work with each other but I want it to be in person. And I think that could be a really cool something. We could have scholarships for actors who were just new to town and can't afford it. And like, yeah. I get really hyped about this idea because I think it you would really be- You really are too. You really times. are too in your Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> it's showing for sure. And that's wonderful. <laughs> that's all I want, right? I've been to so many auditions where I'm like, oh God, what am I going to do between this one and the next one? Or like, how am I going to find a 1930s dress for this role tomorrow and also have time to run the lines in this and that? And somebody online has that dress. There's just so many ways to connect. And listen, COVID-19 has got to go away before this can even be a possibility. (laughs) 
but that's a beautiful, long, long, long-term goal. I think those are wonderful goals to achieve, especially with your podcast, your blog, and just overall what you can offer a person and bring the actor community together where you are. So I can't wait to look forward to that. I think that's great. Thank you. There are many people that are, per se, I guess, suffering right now in the acting sector. And I want to know, what would be your advice right now in order for them to keep their heads up and to keep going? God, you got to find something that you will wake up for every day. And it doesn't have to be the same thing every day. And it doesn't have to have a monogram of all to do with your career. It can be you wake up to walk your dog. It can be you wake up to call your grandma. Whatever it is, you have to have something that you do every day. And I actually would encourage you to have something that you don't do with your career because I think that we're going to be kind of on hold for a little while longer. I know there's Mm -hmm. rumors of things and things are starting to shoot, but most of them aren't here in LA and it's just smatterings here and there. And it's extremely complicated to get something shot right now. And it's actually kind of a beautiful thing to take a pause and really assess where you are at and where you do want to go. And for the first time ever, we kind of have had and do have that time to do it without pressure of the next thing. Yeah. And man, if you can get through this, you're an actor, right? Whether Mm -hmm. or not you Mm -hmm. have something booked coming up, if you can get through this as a creative person, you are whatever you say you are because you've made it through the hardest time that we've yet had, right? Like whether it's in a socially structural way, whether it's in just like a depression anxiety way. This is kind of in terms of just acting, which is like the area that I know so well, this is the job. Hurry up and wait, right? Like have all your tools sharpened, have Mm -hmm. everything in order, and then just wait for the moment to strike. So this is actually very similar to an acting career to have this time. Granted, you might have to pivot. I would say if you can make money right now, make money and save half of it. (laughs) Save as much (laughs) as you can because we don't know what the winter is going to look like. We don't know what the beginning of next year is going to look like. And I would save the shit out of your money. Man, I'm trying to save as much as I can because I'm getting some help from unemployment stuff. I think that saving yourself the headache of financial concerns as much as possible is good. I know if you go to LinkedIn right now and you type in virtual job, there is so many that come up. And yes, you might have to pivot to something that is not your calling for a while. You might have to be a customer service person. You might have to be something of that nature. And it might be a full-time job and you might not be able to do acting stuff Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. six months, for eight months. But we are able to come back and do it when we do have a vaccine that is readily distributed, which is going to be the true problem. (laughs) 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 When we do have access to these things, when we do go to whatever becomes the next normal, not having financial woes as one of your top concerns is already going to put you in a different category in your career, whatever Mm -hmm. that creative thing may be. So even if you have to pivot for a time, go out in the world and collect stories, meet new people, see how people live and work and talk and exist. And that's an actor, right? Like I used to go to the student union in college and I would just watch people walk around and interact Mm -hmm. and people would move their hands in a way I'd never seen. I love people observing. You're like, ooh, I've never seen that before. (laughs) Yeah. Like earlier you put your hand like this and went like this and I was like, it's so fun to be around people. And if you're not out there having new experiences and obviously we can't be around around people, but I learned so much from working online virtually for a health coaching company Mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with my acting career. 
I learned a lot of interpersonal stuff. I was on the phone with people every day and I was like, damn, half these people should be characters in movies. They are so interesting. So you can be experiencing the world and technically making your craft better without necessarily being on a set. And I think this is true at any time too. I, I hope think that's I just found my quote. That was like dropping gems right there. Sam. <laughs> like, girl, like. <laughs> and I mean, listen, thank you. But like I said, I come at this from a privileged place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am not in debt at this. I mean, knock on wood without waiting for my dogs. Hey, I got some for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks. My headphones are in. My dogs won't wake up. I am not in debt right now. So I come from a much freer place to say that to anyone. But I think working your way out of that because money can be such a constraint on creativity that if you can figure out a way to get through this time and move on to the next one with one less constraint Mm -hmm. on your activity while also keeping yourself mentally and physically healthy, like that's going to be huge for next year. This year is going to be a wild ride. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Christmas is looking kind of grim there already. So (laughs) Christmas is going to look a lot like this, but with a tree in my corner. That is exactly (laughs) what it's going to look like. (laughs) You got that right for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the advice you give is so real and so raw. And I think many people can relate to that. So thank you so much, Sam. So real. Ah, uh, that's right. That's right. That's Roll right. credits. Yes. <laughs> Sam, what do you have right now under your belt? Do you have anything that you're acting in or you're auditioning for? I mean, I'm going to be honest, not really. Not in terms of auditions. I've had a couple sporadic auditions. It's been very few and far between. I wish more actors would say that out loud. It's just a time we're in. It's just where we're at right, right now. And it's the right. season of my career of this time. So there's not a lot going on. I had a movie that was just at drive-in theaters. Ooh. Yeah. It's called Followed and it is dropping on demand the first week of September. So so I'm excited about that. That will be on iTunes and it will be on Amazon and then like a smattering of other ones. But yeah, it will be readily available there to rent. And it's super fun. It's a found footage horror movie, but in like a modern vlogger style. Mm-hmm. So it all takes place through like a YouTuber's channel. I shot this four years ago, by the way, and it's just now coming out. So like oh, wow. look at that hurry up and wait game that I was talking about. <laughs> It's really fun. I play the sound girl, so I get to be in super comfy clothes the whole time. I'm just like one of the film crew. It was a blast to make. The actors in it are so great. I think we really made something cool that is different than a lot of other stuff you'll see. It went over really well. It was actually number one at the box office for like three weeks or four weeks or something. Nice. Which is cool. It was weird because nothing else was coming out. So it got to be number one, but it went over really well at drive-ins. And so now it's going to be on demand, which is going to be really exciting. And so, yeah, that's what I have on in the acting world. I'm consistently in my day-to-day life trying to train a new dog. I have three. Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, I only got one and he's a lot already. So... (laughs) According to my dog trainer, once you are outnumbered, you are managing a pack. So I'm a pack manager now. That's my other job. My day-to-day life is very much based on dogs. It's based on the podcast and the website. And I was supposed to get married this year. We pushed our wedding to next year because of COVID. 
Oh, yeah. So that's another thing that I have coming up, like real life stuff. Uh Same here. Yeah. Like my fiance and I, we're getting married next year. I mean, we already had it planned for next year and we have a little bit of old soul in us. So Uh (laughs) we'll push it off. But fingers crossed for both of us that actually happens. So when's your wedding supposed to be? Do you have date? May 28th of next year. So fingers crossed. I think you could do it. I think you could do it. Are you doing it in Houston? Yeah, we are. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have better odds there. Mm-hmm. What about <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? <laughs> we are getting married the day between our birthdays. So he's July 6th and I'm July 8th. So we're getting married 7-7. And we're supposed to be 7-7-2020. No. Oh, gotcha. So it'll yeah. be 7-7-21. And we're getting married in the mountains in Colorado. Uh, oh, where that's his where parents live. Oh, oh, really? Nice. Wait, where yeah. are you from? What city? Denver. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know, it's so small. There's a town called Salida. That sounds familiar. It's like Crested Butte and out there. There's a great brewery called Elevation. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay. yep. <laughs> sure do. Sure do. And that's small. how you know. Yeah. And that's how you know towns in Colorado. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> when you said you're from the Midwest, I was like, girl, I'm technically from the Midwestern area. So it's all right. <laughs> yeah. I love Colorado. It's beautiful up there. Yeah. We're going to go to the middle of the mountains up there in Salida and get married. Oh, look yeah. at you. How about to have That'd a tearjerker on here? <laughs> Thanks. Well, before we close out, we're going to give it to our Keep It Real segment here. Are you ready? Are you spiced up for it? I think so. (laughs) All right, Sam, what is your favorite film right now? (sighs) Okay, so I have comfort movies. So I wrote down, I have a handful of comfort movies for you. And they are How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. (gasps) Oh my gosh, that film is so funny. Okay. It's so good. Devil Wears Prada. Ooh, Meryl Streep all day long. <laughs> Legally Blonde and Clueless. Those are my four comfort movies. The Boomed and Snap. Oh, gosh. Boomed and Snap. It's so good. Also, the last movie in theaters that gave me chills was Wonder Woman. Oh, yes. My mom loves Wonder Woman. Like, I do too. I'm sorry, but I am a Marvel fan. But I will oh, I say. Mean, yeah. Avengers Endgame also gave me chills. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, hands down. <laughs> but no, I feel you on that Wonder Woman. Okay. Favorite TV shows? Mm, okay, we just finished rewatching all of Mad Men. And okay. I think that show is brilliant. I've only Not seen only a little it, bit of it. Oh, God, it's so good. It's so good. Not only are the characters so well-developed and the writing is so fun, but every shot could be a framed picture. It is beautiful to watch. Ooh, it is. Okay. I love 1950s. I also recently started watching Dave on Hulu. Oh, I've heard about that show. Is it good? It's so funny. It's so funny. And I also started Rami. Oh, um, yes. And did Rami just get nominated for yes, it did. Indie? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Those shows are both hilarious, very different ways, but awesome. And then I also just started watching, so this is brand new to my list, but Love Life on HBO. Okay. The Anna Kendrick show. And it is also really funny. It feels very genuine to me. I like Anna Kendrick. You never know what she's going to come out with, you know? Yeah. She's kind of spontaneous in terms of what she's in. It's like, oh, Anna, hey, how you doing? Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And my last one is, what is your favorite song or songs right now? Oh, God. Hold on. Let me look at my Spotify. (laughs) 
everyone has to go to their list like, hmm. It's so funny because I'm such a TV person that mm-hmm. I turn on TV as background music. I don't listen to background music. I know I'm oh, really no weird. Oh, no way. Oh, no, that's yeah. not weird at all. A it's lot not of that my weird. friends okay. are like that. <laughs> I love to sing in my car the song Hot Girl Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think singing the words fuck you is really felt 2020 appropriate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much so. And then there is a playlist on Spotify called Disney Sing Along. Oh, my that- God. I'm on the same one. <laughs> you want the same playlist? <laughs> It's just really good if you need to like alleviate mental anxiety around the house. Yes. Like you can't sing Moana songs and still feel bad about yourself. Right. It's physically impossible. It's so uplifting. Like you just can't. No song out there do you feel like, oh, I'm going to turn down. I can't do this. Like I purposely turn it on if I need to get in a positive mood or if I'm like kind of in the groove of something. I'm like, I need something that's a little cheerful today. Yeah. And so. Disney makes their songs so sing along that you can like, regardless of your voice, you can just party with them. Like, oh, do you want to build a snowman from Frozen? Like, let's go. go. (laughs) So glad we can relate on that (laughs) because my family members will come in and they'll be like, Julie, are you okay today? (laughs) Like, nope. (laughs) Right? Right? Oh, man. Well, Sam, thanks for being on here. I appreciate it. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Hey you, yeah I'm talking to you. Did you register to vote? No seriously, did you send your form in? Did you do it online? Do you want to feel like your voice is heard? This is not an endorsement or sponsorship. This is just me talking to another American citizen asking you to use your voice to vote. You know the V word. No, not Voldemort. I don't even know where that came from. (laughs) Today is the day to use your voice. It's powerful. It can bring about change. You can make a difference. You, the people, can change the country. So I will be at the polls with a mask on, of course. Will you? Again, you can find Sam's podcast, One Broke Actress, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. She is everywhere. Be sure to visit her website. So if you want to stay up to date with her, she could spill it out all on there as well as the podcast again. Thank you all for tuning in per usual. Please, please, please take this year seriously about voting. If you haven't registered, please do it. I think there's only a couple more weeks or even even one week or even a couple days if I remember that you only have so much time to vote, even though I think you should be able to register anytime. That's just me. So please register to vote. This year is very important. Let's make a difference. Peace out. I hope you enjoyed this episode of She's So Real. If you loved it as much as I did, head on over, rate, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Thursday. I would love to hear more from you on topics you want to hear. Head to the show notes and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next. I can't wait to hang out with you all again soon. Remember, keep it real. Keep it real.